Well, for those of you who may be here for the first time or for those of you who may need a little reminding, over the past several weeks we've been talking about what are the marks of a great congregation. And I don't yet know the church well enough to know if all of these marks are evident in the life of St. Mark's, but I do know that in order for us to be the church that God desires for us to be, in order for us to remain the church that God wants us to remain, then a lot of the characteristics that I've lifted up over the last several weeks would be helpful. We began uh, in week one by reminding that if we're going to be a great church, we need to be mindful that the church is a movement, it's not a monument. It's about a group of people who share a common held conviction and belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then in week two, we talked about if the church is going to be great, it needs to be attractive. And by that, I mean that it needs to be, have the respect and the reverence and the awe of not only the people in our worship experience it and in the life of this community of faith, but in the larger world, that, that people need to see in us uh, this uh, awesome respect for God and the things of God. And then last week, uh, we talked about how that uh, we, we need to be focused, and we need to be focused on making disciples, and in order to make a disciple, we first have to be a disciple, so we have to focus on ourselves and how are we doing in, in our discipleship. And today, it won't surprise you at all, the theme is, a great church is well fed. Do I need to refresh your memory about what I said a few weeks ago about how you started out feeding me every day for a week. We had Bible school and then we had a coming together party and, and, and it dropped off a little bit and after I preached on that last week it kind of took an uptick. <laughs> so today I want to talk about, you know, one of the ways you can feed your preacher is with a nice automobile. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it worked last week. I didn't know. Uh, um... Today I want to talk to you about uh, a great church, a mark of a great church, is that it's well fed, well fed. And I'm not talking about the food we eat, but a doctor would tell you that you are what you eat, and if uh, you want to be a healthier, the best healthy version of yourself, you've got a much better chance of being that way as if you eat healthy. And the same is true in our spiritual life. Uh, we are what we eat. And so today I want to talk to you just briefly about feasting on the Word of God. Now, I don't know all of you, but uh, I like to find out sometimes, asking people, who are the people in your life that are on your Mount Rushmore of faith? Who are those teachers and preachers and leaders and musicians that uh, come to mind when you think about, I am who I am today because of uh, their faith? And uh, he didn't know I was going to do this today, and he didn't know I was preaching on this today, but he was my campus minister at Ole Miss back when the Dead Sea wasn't even sick, and, but now he's one of my dearest, dearest friends, and he's here today, Wade Holland. And Wade is on my Mount Rushmore faith. He's one of those four or five people that, that uh, I wouldn't be where I am today were it not for his faithful ministry in the church. He taught me how to feast on the Word of God. He helped feed me the Word of God, and it's made a profound impact on my life and on my faith. 
Now, I don't know who your favorite teacher is, who's on your Mount Rushmore of faith, but I can guarantee you that there are two great teachers in every single one of our lives. One of them is, is our own personal experience. That's a really good teacher. This is probably true for every of us. At one point in our lives, our parents or somebody that loved us said, don't you touch that stove, it's hot. And almost every single one of us went and touched the stove. Experience is a great teacher. Most of us only touched it once. And then we forever learn that we don't touch a hot stove anymore. I can remember in seventh grade, one of my favorite teachers uh, walked in about time I popped this guy upside the head with a paper wad. And she took me outside. And back in those days, they gave you a little... Love lick is what they called it. I'm not sure how much love was involved in that. But I walked back in, and the guy that I just beamed upside the head with the paper wad said, did that hurt? And thinking that the teacher was still out in the classroom and the hallway, I said, my grandmother can whip harder than that. She moved a little quicker than my grandmother. She'd already made her way back into the classroom. So she took me down to the gym and let one of those coaches, she said maybe that would hurt a little bit. So I've only got two hands and I've only got one, well, you know what I'm saying, and I can't learn all the lessons. If I have to touch every stove, there's no way that I can learn all the lessons. I just can't do that. So there is a, another great teacher in life, and that's other people's experience. I don't have to touch the stove if I've seen you touch the stove, or if I've heard about your experience of throwing a paper wide. So there are two great teachers in life. One is our own experience, and one is the experience of others. So, let me ask you, this is a question I'd like your participation as you feel led. How many of you, through your own experience, you, you've learned a lesson through your own experience? Raise your hand. Look at there. So, if there were a way that I could take every one of the experiences that you've learned based on your own experience and incorporate that into my life, then I don't have to live through the same things that you lived through in order to learn something from that. Well, in our scripture lesson today in the book of Ephesians, we hear the writer talking about how that, that, that Jesus uh, provided for us lots of people in our lives so that we could learn the lessons. He talked about that there were, uh, first of all, the apostles and the strictest definition of an apostle in the scripture is that somebody who had to be, who had seen Jesus and who had experienced with their own eyes the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I don't have to tell you that sooner or later, then apostles are going to die out because not everybody's going to get a chance to see Jesus with their own eyes and not everybody's going to get a chance to experience the risen Christ with their own eyes. So it also says that Jesus sent some prophets. Now, 
prophets are kind of wanderers in the Bible. They don't stay anywhere for very long. And you want to know why? Because prophets are always foretelling the will of God and the consequences to humanity if they don't obey the will of God. And so people really don't like to hear prophetic voices. In fact, if you're a prophet, one of two things is either going to happen. You're going to get run out of town or you're going to get killed. But prophetic voices are important in the life of faith because they force us to be uncomfortable. They force us to think about things that we don't want to think about. They force us to hear things that we don't want to hear. Then Jesus uh, sent, it says, according to the letter of Ephesians, evangelists. Now evangelists are people, also wanderers, but they are not really talking about what's going to happen if we don't honor and fulfill the will of God. Evangelists focus their message more on just sharing the good news of God's great love. Now that's the biblical definition of evangelist. Now you've seen some of those evangelists today that kind of, you know, beat on that Bible again like I did a few weeks ago. I'm never doing that again. I'm afraid Nancy will. But there are evangelists who share the good news of God's love. And then the writer of Ephesians says that there are pastors and teachers. The word pastor also means shepherd. These are people who are designed to, to uh, communicate God's love and to shepherd them in their life and in their faith. And the reason why Jesus sent all of these people and the reason why Paul is talking about them in, the, in Ephesians today is because... We didn't yet have a printing press. Bibles were not readily available at that time. And so the only way that the Word of God could be transmitted to the people of God is the people who had encountered Jesus and experienced Jesus and heard the teachings of Jesus then went and shared that information with other people. But eventually, we did have the Bible. Eventually, a group did come together, and so now we have these 66 books that we can feast on in addition to feasting on the Word through evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers. We can feast on this Word. And I want to talk to you today about how a great church feasts on the Word of God. Now, um, several years ago, I had a chance to read this book. It's one of the top ten books of my uh, faith development. It's called The Divine Mentor, and it's by Wayne Cadero. And Wayne Cadero basically says that some of his greatest friends in all of the world are the people in the Scripture. And as he is reading the Word of God daily as a part of his spiritual devotion, he encounters these people who have had experiences that can speak truth into his life and into his experience. And so he encourages all of us to spend time in the Word of God. Visit with them every day. There is so much wisdom and knowledge to be found in God's Word. And wisdom doesn't just come to us in a day, but wisdom does come to us daily. 
And so we need to be in the Word of God every single day. And so one of the things that he suggests is that we do a, a life journal. And there are lots of different ways to do faith, but this is what we call a life journal. And it's orange because even Tennessee fans read the Bible every once in a while. <laughs> Just seeing if you're still with me. Um, so Wayne Cadero says that, that, that when you go to the eye doctor, what you're hoping to receive as a result of the examination and the corrective lenses or the contact lenses is 20-20 vision so that you can see clearly. And so Wayne Cadero suggests that if we want to, to grow in our faith, that we ought to have a goal of 20 vision with our scripture reading. And so his goal that he suggests is that we spend 20 minutes a day reading the word of God. And then we spend 20 minutes a day journaling or reflecting on what the Holy Spirit communicates to us in that 20 minutes that we've just read. And so his approach is that you need to, uh, several things. You, you need to have a Bible and a Bible that you can write in and highlight in. And, and, and it took me a long time to be able to write in the Bible. I don't know if y'all were raised like I was, but you didn't write in the Bible when I was growing up. But I've grown to since value the notes as God speaks to me as I read Scripture, just writing those in the silence. So you need, you need a Bible and you need a pen, and then you need a journal where you can record your thoughts later. And then you also need a, a, a daily planner. Because if you're like me and you sit down to read God's Word, you're going to say, in the beginning God created the heaven. I need eggs. Eggs. I forgot to get eggs yesterday when I went to the grocery store. Eggs. And, and if you don't have that daily planner with you, you'll be reading, in the beginning was, I need eggs. Oh, eggs. Oh, I think Mary has chickens. I could probably get eggs from Mary. And then you've totally lost the purpose of the reading and the Word. So you need that daily planner that when your mind starts going sideways, you can just stop what you're reading. You can write eggs down, talk to Mary about eggs, and then you could come back to the Word of God and you can just not, you can leave the eggs alone. You've already got your list there. And so I want to encourage you, because statistics say that somewhere around 70 to 80% of Christians don't pick up their Bible from Sunday afternoon to the next Sunday. And we need to be growing in the Word of God, feasting on the Word of God, being challenged by the Word of God, being encouraged by the Word of God, being convicted by the Word of God. And so we need to be reading it. We need to be reading it not only individually, but we need to be reading it corporately because God speaks through other people. And as I read a scripture, you might read it and receive a different understanding, a different interpretation. And so we need that. One more story and then I'm done. Um, Wayne Cadero was talking about, I had an opportunity to hear him speak one time and he said that, he had been invited to go teach and preach in China. 22 pastors came. 
it was an underground church in China. I don't know how familiar you are with China, but in China, if, if Christian people want to gather together and worship and study God's Word, they have to fill out an application. And then the application has to be approved. And oftentimes it's not approved. And so Christians are forced then to go underground uh, if they want to grow in the Word, if they want to worship and study God's Word together. And this was such an occasion. There were 22 pastors that came together to hear Wayne Cadero, and they were in an underground church, which meant that they were meeting in an empty apartment building. There were no chairs anywhere. There was no air conditioner. Some of these pastors had driven as far as 13 hours just for the opportunity to grow in God's Word with another human being, with another believer in Christ. And they taught for 12 hours a day. And when he finished for three days, 12 hours a day, had 36 hours worth of teaching material, they were hungering for more. They were thirsting for more. He said at one time they began to sing hymns and that the Holy Spirit was in such a way that day that they began to just sing those hymns louder and louder and louder. And he began to worry that, that this is an underground church and maybe, maybe that somebody's going to hear them singing and that they're going to end up getting caught and captured doing this. And so he asked one of the people there that day, uh, what happens if we get caught worshiping, teaching, praying without our application being approved. And the woman said, well, we go to jail for three years if we get caught. And if you get caught, they deport you immediately out of the country and you'll likely never be able to come back. And so these people were singing and singing and singing. He asked, have any of you ever been caught? 16 of the 22 people had been caught worshiping and studying God's Word illegally in China, and it spent three years in jail. One of the people in the crowd that day had been caught on three separate occasions, and it spent nine years in jail for studying and worshiping God's Word. And at the end of this experience, Wayne Cadero, a asked the gathered assembly of 22 pastors, is there anything that I can do for you? And the woman that he'd been speaking to throughout the week stood up and said, yes, you can pray that we in China can become like you in America. Because you can worship God and not be at risk to go to jail. You can gather freely anytime you want to, anywhere you want to, and call upon the name of the Lord without fear. But we can't. And what Wayne Cadero said to that woman is, I'm not going to pray that prayer. Because you drove 13 hours to come and to worship God today. I got people in my church that won't drive over 15 minutes to go to worship. You 
came and worshipped even though there weren't comfortable chairs or comfortable pews. You had to sit on the floor where there was absolutely no air conditioning. My trustees at my church, if the air conditioning goes out, we cancel church for the day. And nobody would come to church if they had to sit on a hard wooden floor. You wanted me to keep on teaching and preaching after 12 hours of it. And if I go over 25 minutes in my sermon on Sunday morning, people start walking out the door. You don't even have enough Bibles to share with everybody in this room. But my church has got more Bibles than we know what to do with. Every family in my church has probably got at least two, and most of them don't ever read it in the course of the week. I will not pray that you become like us. I will pray that we become like you. The mark of a great church, one of them, is a desire and a hunger and a commitment to feasting on the Word of God. As it's revealed in this book, as it's communicated through apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. May it be so.